0: Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Man, fired up about the day. Today, it's a lot about science, man. Hey, Bird, I bet you didn't know this. This is science. You ready? Ready. I'm going to teach you something in science that you did not know. You ready for it? Learn me.
1: Learn me right now. Come on. Give Gluten killed the dinosaurs.
0: Science, bro. You can't argue it. You can't argue it.
1: Is that, did it come from space? Did it fly in a giant gluten asteroid that came in and blew them all up and rained gluten in the atmosphere? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yes, the protein that (laughs) bonds
0: wheat together, bread together, is what's what's killed the dinosaurs. Uh, No, but seriously, today, man, it's going to be really interesting because this is the future, you know? how we know of cars and how they're built today and everything, how everything's built today will be dinosaurs in the years to come. See, I brought it all home because of what and who we're talking to today.
1: Yeah, now if we go back 20, 30 years ago, right? When, you know, the CNC machine came out, it was like the pent ultimate of subtraction manufacturing, right? You take a big block of something and you start carving it away. You subtract and then what's left? is your magic, man. That's your thing, your, your dream, your vision. You know, it was all about C and C's. And, you know, in the beginning, if somebody had a CNC, man, wow. Cause everything else was mad, oh you know, just and yeah. you know, what, what it could do to open up tolerances and shapes and complexity and throughput, right. You can just crank these things out. Uh, you know, and it took, unfortunately, you know, 10, 20, 30 years before, you know, Maybe a garage friend might say, oh, I've got a CNC, but you can already kind of go, no, that's probably just, you know, some sort of woodworking router, you know, like nobody's got a five axis as a hobbyist,
0: but you can get access to any shop, right? You can pay the man. You go to your buddy Kevin's garage. He's got a five axis CNC machine. Yeah, not happening. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? So yeah, oh yeah, that'd be—I mean—that'd be great, but it's so never fast happen. forward.
1: <laughs> fast forward to today, right? And we had the topic on with Sterling Bacchus a couple of weeks back, where him and his son did a project where they 3D printed, you know, all the panels going on to a, you know, a Lamborghini Aventador home-built garage. But you know, even though it was in his home garage, it was made out of plastic, right? So where have we evolved? And we have the man. At Ford Motor Company, the technical leader and expert in all things 3 d printing from plastics to metal to tell us what is the reality today and where does he see it going in the
0: future so y- you've got a little bit of insight here, you know, I'm sure but when you think of of 3 d printing and where it's going and all things that we're doing nowadays with adhesives you know glue is replacing welds in a lot of scenarios you know and as strong or stronger you got injection molding you got what do you ever see as an engineer do you ever see a day and a time where we have some sort of combustible you know type platform but we have plastics or 3d printed parts um, you know, even though 3Ds can go with, you know, metal and different alloys now, will we see some of these crazy alloys and, and metals and plastics sort of, uh, with a harmonious, you know, symbiotic relationship inside a combustion engine?
1: Well, that's why we have Harold coming on from Ford, man. Cause you know, uh, you know, I won't spill too many beans, but the, the metal property. So now, you know, you think of subtraction from a CNC machine or mill Miller lathe, uh, but now it's additive, right? You're starting from nothing and you're adding, you know, ideally only the material that you want in your final shape. So things, you know, that used to take complex castings, like you said, die castings, et cetera, you know, to get the shape and the form, you know, and then you machine the certain bits, the surfaces, the round bores, et cetera, that you need to mate to. Um, but now we're getting into metals where we've got, you know, strength and properties not like chintzy plastic things that snap and break and you use them just to kind of mock up and hope. Like you can go build stuff with these things, man. It's amazing. And Think about the dreams, right? The visions and the complexity because a lot of times in in subtraction, even when you go do a casting, you got to think about how the tool is made to make the mold, right? How it's going to come together, how the tool is going to separate parting lines and draft angles and all these constraints that now you've got. You know additive and 3d printing you just poof you know dream it and hit the button
0: yeah it's crazy when you dive into uh on my radio show i had a futurist on there and he talked about 3d printing everything in the future from organs right to you know the things we use and consume on a regular basis to you know food and all and all the alloys just hitting buttons and 3d printing it like something off a You know, a futuristic sci-fi show you used to watch as a kid.
1: Right, man. I'm going to 3D print myself a biscuit. You know, I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I want an egg McMuffin. But, uh, yeah, that that might be a little bit farther away. But, yeah, I mean, there's still constraints, right? And I think you can walk us through what those are, right? Because it doesn't just appear, you know, there's different processes to, you know, whether it's powder or some other kind of medium and whether it's lasers that are welding it together and residual stresses and things like that. But but we're getting there. And to talk about some of the industries that are really making huge leaps, like aerospace, you know, and medical. I mean, for them, you know, the volumes are low. So instead of making expensive tooling or some other complex process, it makes sense to just go ahead and, you know, print the thing. Because right now the printing time costs a lot of money, just like, you know, a CNC, right? How many hours are you on the machine? Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. Well, there, there, there's no doubt 3D printing
0: is going to revolutionize the entire, you know, future of the way we develop every single product out there. Like, it is going to change the world as we know it. It's going to be a big, huge dynamic shift in how we, you know, how we build and develop every single part of our lives. And I can't wait to, to get him on and just talk about what's changing in the world of Automobiles and what we're gonna see, you know, five to ten years out, which is there's gotta be a lot of electronics and 3D printed goodies, and I can't imagine the amenities. (laughs) What it's gonna be capable of
1: doing? No doubt. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, Harold Sears, technical lead in 3D manufacturing, uh, Ford Motor Company. Uh, Right after the break, you guys stick around.
0: It's the Two Guys Rides Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we have Harold Sears on. Now, you know Harold. You must see Harold on a fairly regular basis. How was it convincing him to come on the podcast? Is he one of these guys that you got to send him a paper airplane, a little SOS across the office there and be like, hey, man, you want to come on this crazy podcast we do and talk about cool cars? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure, man.
1: <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to the show, Harold. I appreciate you taking the time now. Um, we are going to pick your brain. I, just, I hope you know that, right? Because everybody wants to know, what's the future? What is out there? What, what is the arsenal that you're working with?
2: wow uh how long do we have for this show because man that's a lot to talk about kevin uh so really it's it's, it's incredible um I've, I've been involved with this for 26 years now man and i've seen it start from the beginning where it was just a, a small little machine making plastic parts that were almost useless to what we've evolved into now that we were prototyping virtually everything from the road to the roof on a vehicle and as well as working on applications to take those into volume production now so they're actually, you know, will we put these printers maybe in a production facility and then making parts and delivering them right to the line, right, and, and in volume. So those things are going on. Um, you know, you, we, we joked a little bit about the uh, food industry. It's, it's real. They, they are using this stuff in the food industry and especially looking at it uh, enabling extended space travel. Where you can powder ice food and then reprint it back to something that looks familiar to us and it has nutritional value uh, construction industry man building houses now low income house housing development projects where you can build uh houses in communities in a day or two that uh, you know can home a, a family that was living in a nearly a shack uh before a cardboard shack right so really helping out the communities with that to industrial buildings, uh, building you know office buildings now with these things, big, huge, large uh, concrete printers. They're bringing out on onto a build site and actually uh, feeding this thing concrete, so it's it's building the walls of your building.
0: Really cool there. That's sick, man. Aren't they 3D printing, Harold? Aren't they 3D printing buildings like that over in Japan or China? Did I read something about that yeah. back a few months ago?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. China's been doing it, and uh, Dubai is uh, one. It wants to be the first country to build a, a skyscraper-type building uh, through 3D print. Yeah. So they're working real hard on it over there as well. Yeah. Um, you know and then bringing it back around the medical industry just absolutely phenomenal man amazing the things that they're working on in the metal industry or i mean medical industry of of, of printing uh, uh structures uh with biocompatible inks that can be implanted into your body to help enable the growth of cells to rebuild uh, areas that have been damaged things like that it's crazy uh you know and then and coming back around to the auto industry as i said we we were really just, um, you know, working several years on just building plastic prototypes and we've moved beyond just uh, the plastics now to, to metal prototypes. We have, we have 3D printers that are, are printing actual uh, aluminum parts and stainless steel parts and steel, other, other types of steel directly out of the machines that so can be used right on vehicles, can be used in tooling to help manufacture vehicles and those sorts of things.
0: So Harold, I got a question for you, and maybe this will make it uh, a clear picture for those out there that may not understand the significance of 3D printing and how it's going to affect everyone's lives. Con- consider this equation, right? Give us a percentage of what we see, use, consume, and and just having our you know immediate you know hands on grasp in a day that's 3D printed today compared to what it's going to be you know what percent ten years from now, like. What percent of the things that we could touch, physically put our hands on, or use 3D printed today versus what you think they're going to be 10, 15 years from now?
2: Oh, wow. Uh, that's a tough one. I, I'd say, you know, the average person probably almost never touches anything 3D printed today. Uh, and so now we're looking at, you know, volume production for automotive parts. Uh, the medical industry is going crazy now. If you If you get a knee implant or a shoulder implant, there's a really good chance now that that thing could be 3D printed, right? So it's it's growing, yeah. It's it's growing uh, by magnitudes too. It's not linear. So you know, in 10 years, uh, you know, maybe a lot of us old geezers are going to have some many 3D printed parts <laughs> of our bodies, right? And, uh... Yeah, but
0: would you say 80% of what you're going to be, what the world's going to be in 15 years is going to be 3D printed, or at least that avenue that you know delivered that way?
2: You know, I, I'll never say that, that it's going to completely replace traditional manufacturing because, you know, be honest, uh, you know, injection mold tooling is incredibly efficient, right, for really high volume. But what it's going to enable is a lot of customization and personalization and, and uh, lower volume niche products, things that we could never do because they were unaffordable, right? So, you know, if you get up to, you know, uh, 40 or so percent of, of what you're seeing around, that would be awesome. I think that would be really cool. Uh, in itself, right?
1: So yeah, if you, if you think about right the CNC ex- Experience or you know comparison, right? I mean that was a game-changer on what we could do But not everything CNC you'll still for complex shapes go well Yeah, I could machine all that out of one block, you know, but it's gonna take X number of hours But if I can cast it man every 34 seconds boom I cast another one cast another one cast you know, and then I touch machine off the surfaces so for very large high-volume stuff um, right, I think it's going to be hard to compete, but I think as Harold was mentioning, right, when you start getting into smaller volumes, niche volumes, customization, right, uh, especially when you have a dream and you want to make it, right, and let's say smaller volumes, so not a million units a year, you're thinking, wow, do I do I bother to make tooling for this? Do I make casting tooling? Do I make whatever fixturing and stuff? If I could just print it, you know, and then touch off a few surfaces, I'll just do that for my ten, fifty, hundred, thousand whatever the volume is, you know, as the machines get faster and faster and faster, right? Or cheaper and cheaper. But I
2: think when you you look at those tools that are used to make those million copies today, 3D printing is going to change those tools, right? We may not be printing those million parts, but we're going to probably... augment that tool with some things that's going to make that tool way more efficient now thanks to 3D printing. Be able to put cooling lines into places of that tool that you couldn't cool before, and you had to cycle that tool slower to allow some of the heat to uh, to dissipate away from it, where now we're going to run coolant into those areas uh, thanks, thanks, for, or thanks to 3D printing, and we can up the cycle time or lower the cycle time on that tool to make it even uh, more efficient and, and run faster. So. You may not have those parts directly in your hand that was 3D printed, but 3D printing is going to affect the way those parts were made.
0: Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about—the the, you know the snowball down the hill effect. There's there's so many things that it's going to touch and it's going to you know create avenues that we couldn't you know build and engineer stuff before the architect behind it wouldn't allow it with this, that, or the other. But now, if you could 3D print, say, you know, a home with all the plumbing lines and everything, you know, incorporated right into it, imagine just how that is going to shift, you know, how we develop so many things that we use and consume on a regular basis. It really is. Sky's the limit there. I mean, depending on the size of the 3D printer, it really is. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's for sure. And uh, and size is hardly a limitation anymore. They're they're getting bigger and bigger all the time too. So
1: Speaking of, get us grounded in, in today. Like what can, you know, a person with some coin in their pocket go, you know, because there's a lot of outfits that will print anything you need. Uh, So somebody's got some cash and they want to go make something, you know, in the metal world, right, there's a couple processes and maybe you can kind of fill us in on some of the details. But there's kind of some size limits right now on the the build volumes, right? Uh, But if we took like a, you know, maybe a one by one by one cube, you know, walk us through the different processes that would go in that, you know, size envelope. And what's the time frame and kind of what are we looking at on cost, right? And where's the limits and... You know what's kind of holding it from growing like why can't we print a whole you know car from front to back we got to do it in smaller pieces right
2: yeah so the, a lot of the metal especially metal technologies today are, are relatively slow um they, they take a long time so you're, you're printing at a, a 30 to 60 uh, micron uh layer thickness and so you can imagine that's that's really thin and and it just a lot of them have one laser. Some of them have two or up to four lasers that are all uh, centering the material and, and, and welding it together at the same time. But it's it's just relatively a slow process. In doing that, too, you've got a lot of um, heat being generated and things cooling. So you get some distortion. And so that's really another limiter to, to going really big with things is how do you control Mother Nature, right? Mother Nature does what she wants to do. And you get metal uh uh like when you're welding it's, it's like in a melt pool it's liquid it cools down we know it does what it wants to do it shrinks and pulls in different uh, areas so that's a lot of the evolution of the technology right now is predict what that metal is going to do analyze it ahead of time and then you sort of reverse it so if i know this part's going to work to the left uh, i'm going to design it a little bit to the right so when it works it works to uh back to straight again where i wanted it to be right and so the, the industry is evolving around a lot of software that's helping doing a predictive analysis of those models so that um, the end result comes out. There are other um, 3D printing metal processes that, that really don't use heat to make the, 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 the shape of the part. So they're called binder jet processes where you'll, you'll spread a, a metal powder over a table and you print like a glue or an adhesive down on it that holds the little metal particles together. And when it, when the part is all done, the parts in what we would call a green state, it's really fragile. It looks like a real part, but it's not ready for use. And that has to go into an oven then and be heated really hot and, and sintered. So basically the little metal particles then melt together to make a part. There again, now we're going to have some shrinkage, and now we have some uh, issues of warpage that that we have to look at and and understand. Um, another technology that that uh, is really a lot more of a traditional technology is around metal casting. So uh, in traditional processes, you make a mold, you pack some sand into it, uh, you pull the sand out, you pour um, liquid metal into that sand. When it solidifies, you break the sand away and you got a part. Well, we're skipping some of that now, and we're actually printing, 3D printing those sand molds. And that's really cool because now we don't have to have parting lines. Now we don't have to have draft angles. Now we can violate a whole bunch of rules that um, traditionally you had to live by in a part design. And so what that's going to do is that's going to allow you, especially those who uh, appreciate performance, uh, it allows you now to start to really design for intent, design for the performance of the part, and rely on the technology of 3D printing to actually uh, be able to to make that geometry um, while violating, again, some of these traditional rules, right? So, so that's a really great opportunity.
1: Yeah, if you think about, you know, engine guys, you can think about, you know, you've probably never seen the inside of a cylinder head, but it's got all these real lacy water jackets. And those sand cores have to be made with tools and they, you know, they can't break and stuff while you're trying to put them together and pour the metal in. And, you know, what Harold's talking about is if you can print those and bind them together, right, you can change the shape of water jackets and cylinder head ports for better, you know, airflow and intake manifolds, where you're constrained by how you can make the, the molds, you know, et cetera. And now if you can just print, you know, the shapes, the exact shapes you want, and then pour the metal around it and, you know, bake the sand and the binder out of it. I mean, you got much cooler, more efficient, you know, more performance out of the same, you know, idea, right?
0: Dude, tons more performance. Yeah, yeah. Again, sky's the limit. It's up to the the architect behind it to, you know, incorporate all this, you know, that wasn't, wasn't exposed before. You didn't have that luxury. So now, you know, it's just a again what what you guys on the engineering side can create and what these guys can print man it's a ingredients for performance you know that we've we've never seen before
1: yeah when it comes to doing prototypes i mean it is incredible the tools like you know i've gotten to see in the last 20 years from you know really kind of doing stuff by hand i mean yeah you might take a casting tool and and use a cnc machine to get all the shapes and the contours But everything else is very traditional to make prototypes and you're trying to make prototypes very, very fast. But now, when you can just go print the cores, pour the metal right in, when you can start printing the metal and go right to machining, like what it can do for the speed of the process and and the functionality and the performance that you can get, it's mind-blowingly awesome.
2: You you mentioned uh, like the intake manifolds, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, you know, the air induction portion on, on the engine itself. So traditionally, to make uh, you know a prototype run of those, you had to um, spec out some tools. The tools to be cut could be anywhere from you know 10 to as much as 18 weeks to get those tools cut. Could cost well over $100,000 for those tools. Uh, and then and in a prototype stage, we may only produce 20 intake manifolds, and that's it for that tool. Now we're printing that intake manifold directly. We deliver them in about four days. They've been pressure tested. Uh, assembled with uh, all of the gasket materials and leak tested, and, and they're ready to go. They go on dyno engines, and for the cost of, of you know two to five thousand dollars, you got an intake manifold. Boom! You can put it on an engine. You can put it under the hood. We've had some race cars running them. Uh, Twenty-four hours of Daytona race car for Ford, one that won that. It was a 3D printed intake manifold that was on that engine. So, uh,
0: see Harold. Now you're cooking with grease, son. Now you're uh-huh. talk about. Think
1: about that in the racing performance, man. Like all of a sudden you've got a, a computer model running, you know, different intake designs. And all of a sudden you got a better model. You go print, and then tomorrow you put on a different intake manifold, right? And you pick up 10 more horsepower. Whoo, he's <laughs> just showing off. All right, when we get back, we gotta take a break. When we get back, you gotta, you know,
0: peel the curtain back a little bit more and tell us things that you're working on, things that we can see in the automotive industry in the next Five to ten years, and where you think the performance aspects are gonna come from. So back in just a minute, it's the two guys garage podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B and fired up, man. We have Harold Sears. Who is the man when it comes to three D printing in Ford? He'll he'll three D print the Ford logo on all the cars before long. You know, it's crazy to see the the change of what's going on. Yeah, it's
2: it's cool. It's really cool, man. I I uh you know from from what I've seen through my career, I I uh you know sometimes when I'm leaving in the evening, I'd stop and take a look at all these machines running and lights on, and there's nobody in there. They're all making parts, and I go, man, this is cool. And it's just because the next morning you're going to come in and all that stuff's done and it's waiting for people to, to uh, take it out. And, and what else is really cool is everybody that's working in this environment is just having a blast with it too, you know, it's 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 allowing people to be really creative. We got some guys on our team that are just amazing. The things they come up with, I just sit there and look at these guys and go, dude, you don't think like a normal person, man. I don't know where you get this stuff
0: from, right? Hey, share with us a couple of things you've made. Share with us a couple crazy things that you guys have built that you wouldn't, that most people listening wouldn't believe came via 3D printing.
2: Oh, wow. Well, um we are, are part of a manufacturing organization here on my team. So we are working a lot of tooling that goes uh, into the plants to help build vehicles. And one of the coolest applications we've done recently was uh, something called a lift assist. It's uh, to help pick up a transmission case so the operator's not hurting his back lifting this thing, right? Um, this, this lift assist weighed about 90 pounds and hung on a big hoist. And it was really hard uh, for the operator to manipulate and move around. Uh, it was multiple pieces all welded together, this big crazy structure. And uh, my guys worked on it; they redesigned it. It is three three D printed plastic parts, and it weighs twelve pounds
0: now. Wow! Wow! Whoa! Wow! From 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 what to twelve pounds? From 80? 80 pounds to 12 pounds, yeah.
1: Wow. Well, what's kind (laughs) of cool about 3D printing is you you really don't want to make the same part you already have in traditional methods just by printing it. I mean, you can, right? You can just take something and print exactly what you got. But you really have the opportunity to start integrating things, right? Because you're limited on how you cast and how your tools and draft and all that stuff. Now you can start to think about well, why would you have an intake manifold separate from a cylinder head? I'm thinking far out, right? You could print two cylinder heads and an intake manifold all welded together, you know, fused together. You don't have gaskets, etc. Like you can start thinking about taking away sealing and things, right? So you can just reimagine how something works, how it's put together, how many pieces. So it's all about consolidation, right? Eliminating all those steps. Kevin, in that don't you throw away what you typically have
0: as the thresholds in that environment. Can't you reset thresholds that we normally have, whether it's clamp load gasket design or, you know, weak spots in in that, in that type architecture, can't we raise the bar a lot with, with this sort of integration? Well,
1: you're, you're using, let's say similar metals, whether you want to get into exotics or not, but if you're using aluminums or steels or whatever, uh, so you're 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 working with those same properties, but how the shape is made, you're not constrained by the same constraints you were, like water jackets in a cylinder head. All the holes in the deck face of a block and a cylinder head, most of those are to be able to get the sand out. Well, if you're not, let's say, you know, making sand cores anymore, um, maybe you don't have to have those same holes there, right? You could get structure in places that you don't need. You don't need. Pulls and dies, so you could get ribs and things in places that weren't there before. So, absolutely, you can use this new process to change the rules in a sense, right? Do things differently that you could never do before.
2: Like, like you said, Kevin, too. If you could just say, if you could grow the intake manifold with the cylinder heads or or with the cylinder block, how many engines have been blown because of a, a head gasket, right? Uh, so, eliminate that head gasket. What do we need it for anymore? We'll just grow those parts together as one part now.
1: Yeah, you know, and all those bolts, right? Those bolts are, you know, applying distortions and they're pulling in certain regions. Well, if you could fuse it all together as one part, it's all, you know, spreading those loads out a lot more uniformly, not pulling and breaking a bulkhead or, you See, know,
0: that's what I'm talking about. Wow, it's game changing. One of the things you know, my
2: guys enjoy is that it's that creativity, right? And it's it's that ability to start to think differently about these things and actually design them and build them. Things that you could have never done before, right? Some of these guys that are so creative would have been frustrated uh, 20 years ago because they couldn't get this stuff out of their head onto onto a, a piece of paper or onto a CAD tube or something like that, and now they're enabling it. And, and making people's lives better, too, man. Like I said, you know, with that a tooling example, going from 80 pounds down to 12 pounds, right? We make people's lives better with that. We make them happier to come to work every day, and, and that's the cool part of the whole thing as well.
0: All right, what's 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 10, 10 years out, Harold? Give us a rundown of what you think Ford is going to be doing with all these different alloys and chassis and bodies and, you know, all the things that you see 10, 15 years out for for the company you're working for now?
2: Well, I think you're going to see uh, a lot more of this stuff show up in the production vehicles that people are buying. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more 3D printed content in it. Uh, these vehicles are going to be lighter. They're going to be more efficient. Uh, they're going to have better performance because of all of those factors, the ability to, to do some of these crazy designs like we've been talking about. You know, when we start moving that stuff from the prototype area to actual production put those in the vehicles that are people that people are buying right um you know think about this too what if you you go out and you buy yourself a, an f-150 and and uh, you want to you want to sweeten it up a little bit and you want to make it yours maybe you don't even leave the dealership man maybe you go over sit in the corner in the dealer with a designer and you you design uh, some interior trim pieces that are customized for you with your name on it or your girlfriend's name or whatever it is on it right and uh and and you have those printed and slapped on the truck before it's ever delivered to you um things like that right or maybe some performance upgrades things that could be customized to your tailored to your needs that could be made specifically for you and then what happens if if uh you know that that truck breaks down in in six months normally you which never happens by the way uh, you have to go <laughs> go to the dealership and, and order the part, wait for the part to come in, all that. What if that doesn't have to happen? What if the dealer says, oh, yeah, we've got that file right here. We'll print it for you and we'll have it for you in an hour, uh, right? So now we can eliminate, you can reduce sure. warehouse space and eliminate, uh, you know, the time it takes to do a lot of those things, right? So the, the, the future is, it's really hard to look into it, man. It's almost like, you know, what do you think could be possible? Um, and, and it probably might be.
1: Yeah, when you think about the repair, you know, from military having one of these, you know, a couple of these printers on a big carrier to, like you said, the dealership or, you know, a central location. Instead of having hundreds and thousands and thousands of parts from all these different vehicles over different years, right, instead of sitting on the shelf waiting for somebody's car to wear out in 15 or 20 years, you just print. Here you go. How cool is that, man?
2: You're talking about military, man. military is, is uh, developing mobile uh, 3D, 3D printing factories. They're basically in trucks, and they can put these out in uh, in areas near battles, battlefields, battle areas, so that um, they can 3D print parts that break right there. They don't have to wait for them to come halfway around the world to be delivered to them to, re- to repair vehicles, and that they can do them right there on site. So they're doing a whole lot of work in the military space as well.
1: Yeah, so in the hot rod, hot rod world, I'm starting to hear of you know some custom builders, buying custom builders, especially interiors who are buying plastic machines. And instead of doing you know really complex metal for you know door cards or maybe you know for kind of a center console or something, you know they're actually printing it in in plastics, right? Maybe they reinforce it a little bit with some glass or whatever, but they can get the shape they need and then just wrap it in the material and the foam and everything else. So even at our level of let's say hot rod or, smaller shops etc you're starting to see the entry point for at least the plastics to be where they make financial sense you know that your buddy might end up having one of these things you know just like a water jet cutter or plasma table or something like a buddy of yours probably will have one in the next couple of years and uh it's probably gonna take a little bit longer but what do you think the lag is before you know that 3d metal printer Uh, that's capable of making, like, legit metal parts, Harold, could be attainable to that buddy, to that shop down the street that you go to or whatever. You think that's... Well, Kevin, you've got to be talking about
0: your buddies because my buddies are going to be in jail in a few more years. (laughs) 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 But, yeah, Harold, where do you see that for smaller shops? Yeah, so you're not going
2: to believe this, man. You can go out today and you can buy a hobbyist-grade printer, and that's a printer that's under $5,000. And you can put... A uh, filament or material in that that's highly filled with metal powder. You can print this part uh, that'll be the look just like your part, but it's still relatively plastic. You ship it off to a company and they'll center that thing for you and ship it back to you. Um, and so, so out of hobbyist grade printers, you can make legit metal parts. Wow!
0: Now, is there a resource to to go get like? You know cat scans or where do you go get this inventory like I, I feel like somehow it's like you got to have a tank in the matrix like upload me the you know the, how to fly this helicopter' S- some resource or there's got to be a, a bank of where you can go get these these programs to print off right
2: um, so, so the actual input the data that goes into the machine is, is that what you're uh, referring to? it's a lot of that is uh um, there, there's hubs out there online where they have a lot of parts you can go the other people have designed um you can download them or um you know that may be a skill that you might want to work on in your, your spare time is learning how to model things in, on the computer right and, and once you make these models now there's all sorts of, of places to go and get them made or like i said invest in a small hobbyist great printer get some of this metal filled uh, filament Print your own metal parts center and and, uh, and get it done.
1: That could be you. That could be me, man. That could be all Can't of wait. us. It's right around the corner. Oh, it is exciting. You know, it's one thing to see these, you know, multimillion dollar machines and they're happening at, you know, General Electric or some, you know, medical facility somewhere but yeah man it's getting closer and closer to putting your hands on it you know yeah
0: man we can't wait we're gonna have you on i don't know six months a year from now and see if any of these predictions hold true (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right bring it let's do it all right thanks Harold, man we appreciate your time bro that was uh very informative i can't wait to find out you know what's uh, literally what's two three five seven years down the road it's gonna be exciting
1: yeah it'd be neat if, if products that you touch there was some way to trace, like, did this have something to do with 3D printing, you know, in the manufacturing line or somewhere? Like, what is it? Did this get touched by 3D printing? I think it's gonna be more and more every day, kind of like you were saying, Willie.
0: All too soon, man, it is nuts. Well, again, thanks to our guest, Harold Sears. Hopefully you guys learned some, took some notes. I really can't wait to talk to him a couple years down the road and see what came true. Uh, Again, man, we appreciate his time. My man Kevin Burdine will be our producer. Scoop, our executive producer, Bob Ecker. And don't forget about our TV show that airs weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Make sure you check your local listings. We're also available on Motor Trend On Demand, which is a great great resource to get us as well.
1: Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, and share your thoughts with us. We're everywhere on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020, Britain Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. But we don't mind if you 3D print your copy. That's right. If you can 3D print this, <laughs> go for it, man. You got it. Alright gang. I had a blast. I hope you did too. Uh, but we're out of time, so we'll catch you on the next 2 Guys Garage podcast. Seriously
0: though, one of your friends gets one of those? I got some some help I need.
1: <laughs> you got beer money? Yeah, yeah
0: man. I'll, I'll bring the beer and the money. <laughs> Two Guys Ride Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.